Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Kalshi. Maybe you thought uh, on the future of TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album win album of the year? Will Biden's approval rating go up? Will it go down? Or inflation? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. You're smart. You know things. Bet on it. $20 bonus if you go to Kalshi.com slash stereo. Spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. Kalshi.com slash stereo. Get in the game. There is no guarantee of performance. An investor could lose their entire investment. Investment fees. iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at Kalshi.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Brando Bang and I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast is here. Ah, this is not an easy podcast. This was not an easy podcast to record. This is probably the toughest podcast I've had to do. Um, but I had to do it, and the stories and the story needs to be told and continue to be told. There is a young man who's 17 named Ophir who was kidnapped from Kibbutz Bayari, which has been in the news and discussed a lot. On October 7th, he was visiting his girlfriend, whose name is Yuval, and her father, Yuval's father, Yoiv, I hope I'm not saying these names wrong, but I probably am. He was also kidnapped, and Ophir's aunt, Yael, is here with me on the Iron Rappaport Stereo Podcast to share his story, to share their story, to walk me through everything that happened and everything they've been through and everything that they've seen, heard, and have been dealing with since October 7th. You're probably listening to this sometime around Thanksgiving, and trust me, this podcast really, really, really reminded me of how many things I have to be thankful for, and things could always be way, way, way worse. Anyway, um, so here is Ophir's aunt, Yael, who is in Jerusalem, 
joining me on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Yao, I appreciate you taking the time to come talk to me. I know that this is probably the hardest time of your life and your family's life, I, uh, but I appreciate it. Am I saying your name correctly? Am I pronouncing it correctly? Yeah. Okay. So is it even a ridiculous question to say, how are you? It's How have you been? <laughs> As you said, it is the most difficult time we had, but it's not only today. It's for the last 46 days. So, And you don't get used to it. You know, it's every morning struggling to start the day over and to think what to do more than we can do to help bringing Ophir home. So, All right. So Ophir is your, is your nephew, correct? Yes. All right. So where were you? Where was Ophir? I know he was visiting his girlfriend, Yuval. And walk me through everything that happened that you're aware of on October 7th. Okay, so we all the all the family, we live in Kibbutz Ramat Rachel, is a kibbutz near Jerusalem, uh, Ophir too. Uh, Ophir is the son of my brother. We live here, my brother, two sisters, my parents and 14 grandchildren all together in this community. And Ophir met Yuval around seven or eight months ago in a, like a conference of uh, Kibbutzim, and then he met her, and it was really a great big love, you know, that like a first, first uh, beautiful love. And they spent the weekends one time in Ramat Rachel in Ophir's house, and the other one in Yuval's house. It's in Kibbutz Be'eri near the Gaza border. And Ophir is also a basketball player. He played for eight years in Apoel Yerushalayim. And when he met Ophir, he decided he wants to be close to her. So he started playing in a, a group near Berry. Uh, he continues studying in Jerusalem. He's a high school student. So he was like living in two houses here in, and also in Berry. Uh, on October 7, it was the weekend in Yuval House. They have been in her grandmother's house in Tel Aviv until Friday very late and they wanted to stay sleep there but in the last minute they decided to go back home to sleep home and the plans were that on sat on this Saturday Ophir's parents uh, were supposed to come to Berry to meet Yuval's parents for the first time and October 7, 6 o'clock in the morning Ophir calls Yoav, his, his father, my brother and he tells him there are many sirens and bombs. We don't know exactly what's happening, but everything is okay. I am okay. I am alive. We are going inside the safe room. We'll be in touch. Uh, eight o'clock, same morning, we had alarms here in Jerusalem. It's very, very uh, not normal. We wake up here in our house and we thought it's a problem with the sirens. We didn't realize yet what's going on. And when I got to my phone and opened the group of the family, I asked what's happening. And uh, my brother uh, write to me a, a very big war began. So we all of the family went to their house to ask and to see what's happening. 
And we understood from the messages that Ophir was sending to us every 15 minutes that something very big is going on. We started seeing uh, in the media, in the TV, all what's going on. Also, two friends of my bigger daughter, she's 22, have been to the party this time. And she got in touch with them only for a few minutes. They told her, you don't understand what's going on. Everyone around is dead. We're trying to get, don't call us anymore. We are trying to get somewhere safe. Uh, they got safe home after a few hours running in the fields. But then uh, from then that we understood something very bad is happening. You have told the field to be in touch every 10 minutes, to be very quiet, to send messages not to talk, not to turn the light on. And they were there in the safe room of Phil with his girlfriend, Yuval, her two little sisters, father and mother. Then around half past 12, the connection stopped. The last message from them we got was like, we hear Arab people in the house, we hear shooting, we are afraid, we don't know what to do. Please come rescue us. And then the connection was gone. Uh, we waited at home, all, all of us together. And around half past seven or eight o'clock in the evening, Nira, she's Yuval's mother, uh, reached out to us and she told us on the phone what happened. And she said that around one o'clock, terrorists came inside the house, came inside the safe room, took all the family out, shot the dog, uh, it was the family dog. They loved, the, they loved it so much. They shot the dog. They took all the family outside, walked with them uh, along the sidewalk for 100 meters, uh, took Ophir and Yossi, uh, Yuval's father, and grabbed another child that just stand there with his family, uh, Amit. They put them in a small black Arab car and went away. They didn't touch the women two mothers and four daughters stood there, like, don't know what to do. Uh, looking around, Nira told me later that she was like, it was like a, like a bad dream because they stand in the middle of the kibbutz. Uh, the terrorists are going with the bikes, shooting in the air, shooting at people. And they ran away to, uh, to the nearest house they found. They tried to go inside the, the safe uh, room, but it was locked. Uh, afterwards, we found out that there was an old lady there, that she didn't have her earring device, and she thought they're terrorists, so she didn't open the door. So they just got in a small room in that house. Uh, they lied on the floor for a few hours and just waited. And seven o'clock at evening, the army came, took them out. And I think the very sensitive thing that the soldiers were doing is giving each of them a hand, told them to close their eyes so they won't see what's going on around. Nira told me she didn't close her eyes because she had to see everything. She's a nurse in her, it's what she does. So she looked around and she's very sorry for it because it was all bodies around, bodies with, with, with not heads, naked bodies of women that were raped like hell, it was like hell. And her youngest daughter, she's 14 years old, she didn't want to open her eyes for hours later. They go to the Dead Sea, to a hotel in the Dead Sea, 
uh, with the pajamas, barefoot, and without anything with them. Uh, a few days later, they found out that their house was burned to ashes. So basically, they don't have anything left. Their father is uh, kidnapped, or fear is kidnapped from their house. Their uncle that left, that live also in Berlin, his wife and two daughters were missing until two weeks later that the mother and two girls were found dead, murdered in their house. And one week ago, they were told that their uncle is also a hostage in Gaza. Their other cousin from the other side, from Nira's side, was also murdered in the party. So that's the families that live now in the Dead Sea, in the hotel of the Dead Sea. Uh, many, many of Beiri were killed. Many of them are hostages. And since then, since that day, that Saturday, we got only one message from the army five days later that Ophir, uh, I don't know how they found it, found out, but they didn't tell us the details, but he's, uh, uh, he was transferred from the missing people to the kidnapped people. So it gave us a lot of hope. And the most uh, unreasonable or not normal thing was that we were so happy to hear that. Because, you know, it was, or when the soldiers came home, it was like, is he dead or is he not? Um, so he's kidnapped. And since then, we don't know anything. We didn't get any sign of life. We didn't get any movie or video clip that shows him there. And we try, you know, 45 days were passed and it's really not, nobody can imagine what we and other 200 families are going through. Wow. I don't even know what, how to respond to what you just told me. Um, I, you know, like saying I'm sorry is, I don't know, but <clears throat> that's just unimaginable and I can't even imagine the amount of anguish and heartbreak and stress and just terror that you and your family and everybody in your uh, life has been going through. I'll start, you know, with this, you know, and, and to just try to ask you questions in the most respectful way to get your story out, to get Ophir's story out. So you guys have only gotten one message. You've only been contacted by the army, the government one time in, since this happened. No, after when they came to our to my brother's home to tell them that he's he's kidnapped, we have two very very nice officers that are in touct with us. Uh, it's not their usual usual job, you know. They had to really. I don't think Israel was prepared to something like that. So we got two nice officers that they come once a week, twice a week, but they don't have anything to say. So. They just come to be there to ask how is going on, if we need something. But uh, we don't have any information or official information about the condition of Ophir. We just know he was taken in good shape, in good health. Uh, that's what we know. How is Yuval Ophir's girlfriend? How is she doing? What is she doing? Like, how do you continue like every single day to go forward? Like, how is she doing? 
I can tell you what we are going through. We went to visit uh, this family a few times in the Dead Sea. And as we do before, uh, as we do in our usual life that stopped October 7, we try to find projects to do uh, during this time. And we all, every day and all day long, trying to think what we can do to bring Ophir home. And some of the things we're doing is is interviewing in the media and letting the world know what happened here. Uh, it's very important for us that the world, the free world, will know that it's not, uh, we don't have a war between Israel and Palestine. It's not a war between Israel and Hamas. And it's definitely not a war between Israel and the Gaza population. It's a brutal barbarian terror attack on the on innocent people I want people to know that in Israel we have a very, very severe humanitarian crisis now with 100,000 people evacuated from their homes, many thousands of people that doesn't have a home to go back to because it was burned. And I want every mother and father in the world close their eyes before bedtime and imagine that they put their child in, in the most safe place in their home, in bed, and somebody come in the house and take them away and they don't know anything. Um, I'm not, it's not my son. So I, even me cannot imagine what his mother is going through, but we have so difficult days. And, but we believe all the time that he will come back and he will be okay. And about Yuval, you asked me, uh, we knew her before because she used to come to us and we ate uh, family dinners together. She's such a really cute girl, really cute girl. She's also a teenager, high school student. Um, we got to know her mother and two sisters. I don't think they, they really get inside or feel what happened to them. Because I think I know that five of Yuval friends were killed. Her boyfriend is kidnapped. Her uncle and two nieces were brutally killed. Her another nephew was killed. They stayed all together, 800 people in a hotel in the Dead Sea, like refugees. Her mother told me they have four suitcases with a few clothes to each of each one of them, and that's what they have now. And they don't have any problem with it because the people, most of the people that live there near the Gaza border, they are really Zionist people that live there uh, for the idea, for the values they believe in. Um, I think the most painful thing that happened is that they are people of peace. And every day before that, October 7, thousands of Palestinians people came inside Israel to work uh, so they're not connected yet to the feelings. Uh, they have a long way to go. But we as a family decided to really see what they need there, not only Val and her family, also the other people. So we did some projects. We got donations from very, very nice people in Israel. And we bought them 500 pairs of shoes that we know they like. And we try to go there every week and to bring things with us to make them a little bit happy. I don't know. I understand. 
And you talked about just to humanize and because we start, we see these pictures and, you know, the picture of Ophir, he seems just such like a sweet young man, a young boy. You said he likes basketball and you could just tell from his face that he just seems like, you know, just a beautiful kid. Can you talk about him? Because like I said, you know, the, the posters and the, the controversy, which is embarrassing in my city, New York, it's, it's embarrassing. The controversy over the posters and the ripping down of the posters is really humiliating. Can you describe what he's like as a kid? Yes, he is the he's a teenager with all this complex, you know, complexity. But he's very, very sensitive boy. Um, he's, you know, he's so kind. Every time I, in my normal life, I uh, I run a nonprofit organization, and every time I need some help, he's the first one to come to help me. Uh, before my children. Uh, every time he can ask what I need, what to do. He's working on the kibbutz uh, in the ag agriculture. Uh, he's very, very, uh, he's always there first to help in everything we need. If it's to take someone to, to school, if it's to, if it's to come helping people that need some help, he has a lot of friends, also from school, also from basketball. Every every evening for the last 45 days, his friends from this kibbutz are coming to sit there with their parents. They, they miss him so much because, you know, as you see in the picture, he's just a boy. And Yuval told me that she gave, when they walked there from the safe room to the car, she gave him the hold hands. And she wanted to go with him to the car. And the terrorists told her, you don't go with us. They just ripped their way. And she said there was so much fear in his eyes. And you know, it's going on so long. We, we really, me, myself, try not to, not to think about what's going over him there. Uh, we just try to be in doing all the time, really in doing. So the mornings, and the evenings or the nights are the most the most hard times before we start doing and after we finish doing. We have some hours to think. Uh, it's really a nightmare. It's really a nightmare and it's going on and on. Uh, in the beginning, we thought it will be only, you know, we hoped it will be for a few days because we couldn't imagine that the world and this country will let 38 children uh, together with 200 more adults to be there. But as we all understood, the Hamas is like ISIS, like Al-Qaeda. It's a very, very brutal organization. Uh, all, the, all the talks about what to do, what to give them back, what not to give them back. From the beginning, we said that every price is worth these children. And I say all the time that on October 7, Israel lost. And now we have to bring them back. And then 
do whatever it needs to do that these people can go back to their homes and live safe. Because I think nobody uh, in the free world, no, no leader from the free world uh, could have this happened in his country. And we really appreciate uh, Biden when he came here uh, and said that he will do anything in his power to do to try to give them back. So when you said um, earlier, like this is not a war between Israel and the people of Gaza, has your perception changed? Like, are you shocked by this situation happening? I mean, I know the, the specific nature of the way you guys have been affected is obviously shocking, but your perception of the people of Gaza, the Hamas, the Israel government, has it changed the way you look at everything regarding the government and the Hamas and what you thought the relationship was between Israel and Hamas and Israel and the world? I hope that's making sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And I'm not shocked because, first of all, my opinion is not so popular, okay, in Israel now, because I still don't think all the Muslims are Hamas. And I really believe in human beings. And I think that also the two million people in Gaza are like hostages of the Hamas. But, but I think that they chose the Hamas to be their government. They chose the Hamas to be their education uh, in school. And I feel very, very sorry for these children in Gaza that from the age of four get weapon in their hands, are educated for hate Jewish people, that raised to kill and to be killed. Because the most uh, higher level you can get when you're in Hamas is to kill Jewish people and be a shaheed. And I feel sorry for them. And I'm in shock from, I think, the most uh, shock or the most worst thing I felt then, it was the lack of security we have. Because we were living in an idea. We know they want to kill us. We know that we are here in Israel, a small country between enemies or among enemies. But we really believed that we have a strong army, we have a very, very good intelligence, and we didn't think for a minute that such a thing could happen. And just yesterday I saw, I, I try not to see so much TV now because it's all about it. And it's really, even if they don't have anything new to say, they just get it over and over again. But when I saw yesterday a, a, document, a small article about what happened October 7, and I realized that just some, some tools that you can buy on AliExpress just shut down all our intelligent things on the border. It was like, and I know that many of the soldiers that served there said again and again that something is happening. And, and everyone told them, shut your mouth, everything's okay, we are controlling the business, don't worry. And then it happened out of the blue, like nobody expected it. When hundreds of, oh, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of, of terrorists just came inside Israel, took, took cars, 
took, I don't know, automobile, many things and just went coming back and forward. And it took the army, it took the army around eight hours to go and inside Beiri and, and other villages there and protect them. And I think I'm the most disappointed I am from the Israeli government. And it's not political, okay? Because it doesn't matter what my personal opinions are and who I selected in the, in the government, but the government is in charge of the people and of the citizens. And as my brother say in every interview he's giving now, he said, I am not responsible for my child for 45 days. So on October 7, uh, he says to the leaders, and he said it also in the cabinet meeting the uh, day before yesterday, on October 7, your family got much bigger. You have now 240 new family members that you have to take care of, that you are responsible of. And you have to do anything to do to bring them home. And I want to hear you say that you are responsible for them now. And our prime minister didn't say it. He didn't say he's responsible. I don't think he thinks he's responsible. My brother just asked him to say, not only him, him and the other four, I am responsible for your kid now and I will do anything I can to bring him home. And they couldn't say it. And it's very, very disappointing. I understand. Man, this is a, a, a lot, you know, uh, I really appreciate you sharing, you know, all this stuff. Like, you know, for me and, you know, for, I think for a lot of people, I could just say for myself, you know, so much of what we see on the news and so much of what we see on social media and so much of what we talk about, you know, we think that we're close to it and understand it, but like you, my heart is racing just hearing you talk and it's like, um, and that's just, you know, and I'm, you know, just talking to you. So I can't even imagine what everybody in Israel, everybody, you know, who's been affected by this, you know, um, you know, the, the people from all over the world, the United States citizens, the Israeli citizens, um, and just the friends and the family and the devastation and the heartbreak and the stress. I just can't even imagine it, you know, and I, you know, I know everybody is just thinking and praying and hoping and sending everybody so much love and strength to you guys. I am Podcast. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. John Wall, baby. Needs no introduction. Every week, the five-time NBA All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA and what's going on now in the league. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoop takes. Plus, John Wall will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show to give their unfiltered accounts of what's really going on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Kaushi. 
Maybe you thought uh, on the future of TikTok. Will Congress ban it or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album win album of the year? Will Biden's approval rating go up? Will it go down? Or inflation? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. You're smart. You know things. Bet on it. $20 bonus if you go to Kalshi.com slash stereo. Spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. Kalshi.com slash stereo. Stereo, get in the game. There is no guarantee of performance. An investor could lose their entire investment. Investment fees, iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at Kalshi.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, there's a hope that you know, there's discussion of release of hostages. You said you didn't get any more information. And obviously, if you got any more information, you know, I, it, when you guys hear about a hostage exchange and 50 people coming home, do you get, like, h- how do you even temper your, your hope at this point, like, to not be disappointed any further? We will be disappointed because we have ex- expectation that Ophir will come home with all the children but even if even now with this deal came up uh, just for you to know that the first deal came up 4 weeks ago we just checked yesterday and i think 4 weeks ago or 3 or 3 and a half weeks ago i went to the to speak on tv and then there was a headline that said that 50 hostages with foreign uh, with a double nationality will released and it was for the first time then and you know you get immediately hope because Ophir is also a Dutch nationality, a citizen. And and now when the deal is closed, as they say in Israel, uh, we didn't, tomorrow, tomorrow uh, they start the stop of the fire and tomorrow some of the hostages come home. We didn't hear anything. So I don't know what to tell you. We just got a call this morning from our uh, in charge officer, and he said, my brother, there is a deal. Okay, thank you very much. We know there is a deal we saw on TV yesterday. And the other thing I'm very disappointed of is the media, especially here in Israel, because they live here with us. They know what we're going through. And I think they're co- cooperating, actually cooperating with the psychological torture the Hamas is doing us. Yesterday evening, around eight o'clock, I think, or nine o'clock, I don't remember, in the most uh, center channel in Israel, they showed like a very nice presentation of who probably will get out in this first deal. And they show big pictures. Ophir was among them. So we got so many, so many phone calls after this and, and messages. And I asked, myself and them too. Why do you do it? Because until it's not close, it's not close. 
Even now, when 50 children and mothers will come home, there are few families that the mother was murdered and the children were taken with their fathers. So they will bring now two children, little children, and the father will stay hostage. It's not, it's not reasonable. I really don't know what to say about it. I just know, I just know that we don't stop hoping that, and I'm sure uh, that Ophir will come back and we will do, he, we will do everything to help him to get over whatever he was going through there. Nobody told the family until now, it's seven o'clock Israel time now, uh, the deal supposed to get started in uh, 15 hours from now. They even didn't say to his parents what the procedure is. You know, we hear in the news that they come here, they go to hospital, they're going to talk to some people. The only thing that interests us now or is that Sean and Yoav will meet him and hug him. That's the only thing. And I don't care if it will take two or one day to be there in the hospital. I hope he's coming back in a normal condition. I can't imagine what, what he's going through there. And I'm sure it will be a very, very long day of recovering. But as I tell you that, I'm thinking you didn't have the message yet that he's coming back. So we just live day by day. In the beginning, it was hour by, by hour. Then it's day by day. Just before we start talking, I had a phone call from a journalist here in Israel that he wants me to meet a, a group of American people next week in near the Kotel. And I told him, please, next week, I don't know what happened next week. I don't know what happened tomorrow morning. So that's how we live now for 45 days, day to day, night to night. I can tell you that we're all together all the time. We don't let Sean and Yav be alone for one minute. We stay there from morning to evening. Two of us stay sleeping there every day and hope and hope and believe that everything will be not normal again, but start to be more normal than now. I understand. Is there, I mean, I think you, you know, I don't have any more questions. I, um, I'm going to do my best to continue to get Ophir's story out, get Yuval's story out, Yoev's story out, and everybody's story out to do the best that I can. And I, I, you know, I, like I said, you know, I could just say for myself and, you know, my family, we're just thinking about all of you guys and thinking and sending love and sending strength and just prayer and, and just sending everything we possibly can. Um, and, uh, you know, and just hoping, hoping, hoping that this is, is over soon and everybody comes back uh, home safe. You know, we know that not everybody will come home safe because I was talking to one Knesset member that told me uh, a very... Not so, not so uh, uh, normal, <laughs> but he told me that not everyone is alive. And I told him, why do you say that? And he said, no, not to feel, but not everyone there is alive because we know that they took people from the, most, most from the uh, nature festival, they took them after they shot them. And I know a father that told me that he spoke 
his two children are their children. One is 18 and, one, and the, the daughter is 21. And when he was talking to her for the last time, Saturday morning, she told him, Father, they shot me. I'm going to die. Please come help me. And then it was, the, the conversation was ended. He doesn't know anything. So. And that's one of the people that is considered a hostage now? Hostage and not a child. So not included in the in the first deal because she's 21 uh, and she's hostage, hostage. So, and our, we didn't speak about the Red Cross and the UNICEF, but there are only organizations that all their aim is to help people all over the world. And I know that the Red Cross is visiting the Hamas prisoners here in Israel every week, every week, uh, taking care of them, seeing that they have enough food, uh, good conditions that they study in the university, they get their degrees, and for 45 days, no one, but no one saw our children, our ruined people, our old people. There was a lady there that yesterday had her 79th birthday, and nobody from the Red Cross saw her, or neither of them. I had a conversation with the uh, representative of the UNICEF, and I told him, I told him, you get your salary, for taking care of children around the world. That's why countries pay the organization. That's why you get your pay. Why do you sit with me 40 days after and write notes about Ophir? You should know Ophir's story by heart. And it's really, I don't know what to say, but this is the situation. And I really, really hope to see all of them, not only the children, but all of them back home very soon. You said the Red Cross is taking care of who? Supposed to take care of injured people all, all over the world. I right. think this is, his, this is its purpose. Yeah. And, and for 45 days, nobody from the Red Cross went to visit any of our kidnapped people or children right. or anyone. You know that one woman gave birth there after a few days and nobody saw her or the baby. And she's not Israeli. She's not Jewish, she's, not, she's Thai. So I think it, it makes the point clear that they don't want to hurt only Jewish people. It's just something they say, but I think they want to take over the free world. And that's I the agree. most dangerous thing people in the world should understand. I agree. I agree. They didn't ask who, what, where, why, or anything when they came no. on, on October 7th and, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you, you know all this and everybody knows all this. Sometimes you don't have words. I think the, I think when I start, it's more difficult for me to speak English, but even if when I speak interviews in Hebrew, there are no words to describe. Not what happened, not our feelings, nothing. Because every word I say, it's like, it's it's nothing comparing to what it is, so... All right. Well, I appreciate again you taking the time, and um, you know I, I'm just wishing everybody nothing but the best. And Ophir and Yoav, home safely, and just sending so much love and strength to all you guys. And I'll do anything I can to try to continue to help and support any way I can. And I promise to send you a picture with Ophir when he's home. And I, I promise when I come to Israel, 
I'm going to play him in one-on-one, although he'll probably beat me very badly in basketball. But I, w- I would love to meet him and to meet the rest of your family when I come. Okay, I promise. We- we'll do. All we'll right. do. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very right, much. Y'all. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. I want to thank Yael for sharing her story. I want to thank everybody who listened. Please pass this episode around so people know what is going on with the families of the victims of everything that has taken place on October 7th. Continue to share the story. Continue to to discuss it fearlessly and be thankful. We all have a lot to be thankful for. Have a great, 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 great holiday. Thank you. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Kalshi. Maybe you thought uh, on the future of TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album win album of the year? Will Biden's approval rating go up? Will it go down? Or inflation? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. You're smart. You know things. Bet on it. $20 bonus if you go to Kalshi.com slash stereo. Spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. Kalshi.com slash stereo. Stereo, get in the game. There is no guarantee of performance. An investor could lose their entire investment. Investment fees, iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at Kalshi.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.